Good morning, it's 4am and you're listening to the rain uh, in Pennsylvania and we'll see if I wake up dry. The rain was loud enough to wake me up this morning, so we'll see if I can get back to sleep. This is episode 14 of Section Hiking, the Appalachian Trail. Good afternoon, this is John Eskelson, your host, and welcome again to Section Hiking, the Appalachian Trail. That was some audio from uh, Saturday morning at 4 a.m., and uh, at the end of the last podcast, we considered whether or not I would do an additional section up on the AT in Pennsylvania, and as we got closer to it, um, my friend Alex and I decided to go ahead, and we went we went hiking uh, again. Um, this time, we went... Um, we started at uh, around at Woodrow Road in southern Pennsylvania, and then we ended up um, in Gardner, Pennsylvania, just at Hunter Run Road. And we'll we'll talk a little bit more as we go along. But uh, Alex and I kind of did what we could. We we didn't we stayed in separate tents. We practiced social distancing. We walked basically six feet apart on the trail. Um, and the interesting thing is, you know, the call not to hike um, and closing down parks meant that there really wasn't anybody else on the trail except for us. Uh, we saw one couple doing a day hike. We saw a couple kids playing around by some rocks, some high school kids. And then as we were hiking on Saturday morning on our way through uh, the trail, we did see one guy in a hammock um, covered in silk nylon while we trudged by in the rain. So that was it. Literally about four or five people. We are sponsored today by the Committee to Restore America's National Parks. This is an advocacy group for everyday people who want to convince Congress to eliminate the $12 billion maintenance backlog in our national parks. Please go to their website and support them at www.RestoreAmericasNationalParks.org. So that really wasn't a lot of people. All right, let's get to our first sponsor real quick. All right, and we're back. Look, all in all, it was a good hike. So what I'm going to do is we're going to start by telling you about it. Then we'll take a break with another uh, sponsor, and then we'll uh, talk about the lessons that I learned and what I'm going to do going forward. So we started northbound at mile marker 1,099.4 at Woodrow Road in Southern Pennsylvania. It was a dirt road and my car couldn't handle it. So I left it at a parking lot on, uh, at the end of our hike at, uh, Pennsylvania, on Pennsylvania route, uh, 34 about northbound marker, um, 1,112.8 at Hunter run road in Gardner, Pennsylvania. The total distance of the hike was just around 13, 14 miles. The weather on Friday was beautiful and warm. It had lots of sun. It was the kind of Friday that would have seen lots of people out and about in normal times. We started down the trail and then circled around towards Tom's Run Shelter, which was only about a mile away from the trailhead where we started. We knew we weren't going to stay there, one, because we couldn't, but also, two, it was also only a mile in, and that's kind of silly. After looking at the map, we decided on taking an alternate trail and to climb up the Sunset Rocks Trail. They have uh, some really cool rocks up the top there, and on the Instagram site, you can 
you can see uh, see some pictures from the top there. We thought it'd be more interesting than just staying down in the valley along the Appalachian Trail. So we headed out for the Sunset Rocks and climbed up to the top. And it was up there at the top that we saw some you know, local youths playing around. Um, and then we, get, we moved past them and got some photos. Uh, we then hiked the rest of the Sunset Rocks uh, on the trail and then joined up back at the Appalachian Trail near the footbridge by Old Shippensburg Road. We pressed on with the AT, uh, walking to the Charcoal Flats area. And then by then, and then mostly because we got a bit of a late start, it was around 6.30 and we'd gone four miles. Uh, we found a campsite and then settled down for the night. I found a, a soft, nearly flat spot to bed down, and I set my tent there. We made dinner. Um, I was trying to simulate having more weight in my pack, so you know, so I'd feel more what it was like, what it'd be like with a more food. So I brought both my stoves and a couple extra pots, which added an extra three or so pounds, which is not exactly what I'm going to be carrying when it comes time to do this. But for dinner, um, we reconstituted some hamburger and I made some beef gravy, some instant mashed potatoes and some corn. And it was a good meal and it's remarkably easy to make. The only question is practice to see if I can do it in fewer pots and do it on only one stove. Um, because the amounts would be smaller, it should be easier to do for a solo hike. The good news is it tasted well, and, and that's really the most important thing. By 9 p.m. on Friday night, it was dark, it was getting cold, and you could tell it felt like rain was coming. I mean, we knew it was coming based on the forecast, but, you know, it felt like it was definitely on its way. It just got kind of heavier, that heavier feeling, humid feeling out and about and so we we went to bed at three o'clock i was woken up by the storm it was raining pretty hard with the sound coming off of my rain fly like a rat-a-tat-tat you heard that in the intro it was non-stop like that for a couple hours i tried to go to sleep but but it was hard which is why i was able to record um the introduction to this episode at four o'clock in the morning i dozed here and there until sometime around 6 30 when the rain stopped alex had just gotten up and prepared water for breakfast. Uh, we ate a couple packets of oatmeal and I put some nuts in mine uh, to make it more crunchy and less glue-like. I feel like you have to do all sorts of things to oatmeal, otherwise it doesn't really taste very good. Um, as Boyle from Brooklyn Nine-Nine likes to say, um, it doesn't have a good mouthfeel to it. Blech. Anyway, by 7.15, the weather was starting back up again, so we got back in our tents to break camp um, I have a picture on Instagram of me with my go light fully packed inside the Nemo tent. I gotta say that the tent was absolutely awesome in every way and it kept me dry the entire time it was up. So I got out, out the tent and pulled it down, stuffing it into its sack and strapped it onto my pack and we headed out. Most of the trail uh, heading northbound is somewhat downhill for this section and we were able to make about three miles an hour, which is pretty good. We pulled into Pine Grove Furnace State Park and checked out the site. Uh, we passed by the general store in the park where apparently in normal times through hikers, I uh, get to do the half the ice cream challenge where you, where if you can eat a whole half gallon of ice cream, I think you get it for free. Anyway, the general store was closed as was the entire park. 
Uh, we continued on and went past the AT Museum, where I'll have to go and visit again once it opens. And we continued on and went past uh, right up towards Piney Mountain. Uh, we hiked gradually uphill, with it raining intermittently at this point. Um, at mile marker 1106.7, we put our packs down on the side side trail and checked out the pole steeple, which is at the which is a overlook that normally you can see the whole valley. Apparently, it's a glorious place to take pictures. Um, but on Saturday morning, it was shrouded in mist and clouded. It was still beautiful up there, but you really couldn't see anything. Alex got a great picture of me shouting, Steve Holt! I don't know if you remember that from Arrested Development. Um, we got back on the trail and continued for about another six or seven miles to the car. Um, we headed initially uphill and then pretty much was downhill or flat the rest of the way, allowing us to move fast and make really good time. I wish I could tell you something that was really interesting. There was a number of interesting, good campsites along the, along the trail, all along this trail, uh, made from old charcoal pits that didn't have any rocks and were really flat. Uh, for those who don't know, but in the late 1800s, early 1900s, huge swaths of the area uh, were clear cut um, so that they could be burned and they are burned in these various um, coal pits. And then once they were turned into coal, the coal would be taken and taken down to the furnaces, hence um, Pine Grove Furnace, and iron was made from the furnace for the railroads and other essential items. It really started to rain hard with about three miles left to go in the hike. And so we tried to move a little bit faster. Nearly every inch of me by the end was wet. Uh, my favorite moment along the trail was seeing this guy, who must have been a through hiker, laying in his hammock with a sheet of silla nylon over him, chilling while the rain was all around him. He was the only person we saw on Saturday on the trail. The, in the last mile, we passed by the James Fry Shelter at Tag Run on our right, which is at northbound mile marker 1111.4. We didn't go explore it, but on the left along Tag Run, there was a nice, large, flat camping area where a number of people could stay for the night. It was lovely looking. I would have explored it, but it was really, really wet, and by that time, I just wanted to get to the car, knowing I would have finished in another mile. I think we're able to do it if I were to do it all over again. We would have stayed in our tents all morning until the weather broke, about noon, and then headed out. But we didn't, and we trudged through the rain, getting to my car, which was at the trailhead at Hunter's Run Road again, at mile marker 1112.8. And then we got into the car, drove to Alex's house for lunch before I headed back to Virginia. We're going to take another quick break for our sponsor, and then we'll be back with Lessons Learned. So we're back, and the big question is, is what did I learn from this hike? There are several things. First of all, my equipment overall did well in the rain, especially the Nemo tent. The inside was completely dry, and I couldn't be happier about it. That is, until I took it down, put it in the stuff sack, and carried it on the back of my pack all morning. By the time I got home, the tent was thoroughly wet, every inch of it. I probably should have put it back inside the bag, but that inside my my um, backpack. Uh, 
But that begs the question, what do you do with a went tent were I to be using again? I mean, what do I do if I'm on a longer 10-day hike and it's thoroughly wet and I, I have to pack up the tent and then get it safely dry before I sleep in again or preferably dry before I sleep in again? That's a question I don't know. I'll have to answer that question and get back to us. Two, dinner was too elaborate. I need to simplify it and keep it to one pot if possible. I think if I were to do it all over, I'd bring a small cup um, and do the corn first in water, get that boiling for the, you know, and the water would be for the potatoes. Then I'd pour the boiling corn water into the dried potatoes into a non the non-cooking pot. Then I'd heat up the beef and gravy mix and put it on top of the potatoes. That could work. It's gonna to have to take some practice if I'm actually gonna bring this with me on the trail. Third thing I learned, I need both something more and something less than I brought. When we did the previous hike from Bowling Springs to Route 34, we camped up on a ridge near Whiskey Spring at northbound mile marker 1116-ish. It was clear and windy that night and really, really cold. So I needed something more than I had that night. My synthetic insulated jacket didn't really cut it. So this time I brought along my Patagonia R3 hooded fleece, which is my go-to uh, mid-layer if I ever need to be sure I'm warm. And that was nice, particularly when I was outside and it was cold. But once I got going, it was really too warm. And it's a really heavy piece, so it's not something I want to carry around either if I'm not going to be wearing it. Um, my Merino quarter zip worked really well, but when I'm in a stationary sit-around type place, it's not going to keep me very warm. So on the one hand, I had too much warmth. On the other hand, not enough. I have to find something in the middle and figure out how to do it. Fourth item, I was sore afterwards. Now we did do 10 miles in under four hours in heavy rain at times. We pushed it harder than we normally would have done. Plus it was really rocky. I know, I know it's called Rocksylvania for a reason. But I need to continue improving my physical strength so that it isn't as hard next time. Now fifth, this is a pleasant one. Turns out I have a cousin who lives nearby where we are hiking. I knew my cousin lived in Pennsylvania, but I thought he lived north of Harrisburg. Now I'm going to go see him next time I'm up in the area. Six, my glasses don't like the rain. Seven, now here's some good news. Well, my rain jacket, the Patagonia Torrent Shell, uh, sort of wetted out here and there. I still stay dry because of the quarter zip and my base layer shirt. The pants, uh, a pair of Prana uh, stretch designs, were thoroughly soaked, but it w I was really surprised and pl pleased at how fast they dried out once uh, the rain stopped. The other thing I noticed was that my shoes got pretty sopping wet, but my feet were never cold because of the wool socks I had on. That was good news. All right, number eight, and this is the biggest thing. I've sort of beat around the bush, but the problems with the hike wasn't my gear, it wasn't the trail, and it wasn't the fact that it was wet. The biggest challenge with this hike is me. 
And basically is I need to continue with my preparation, especially now that the, my gym is closed. So on the physical side and I'm working from home and my schedule is all squampus. I'm actually working more now from home than I did when I was in the office. But what I don't have down yet are all the little skills that you need and the, all the little practices that you need to perfect and systematize in order to successfully camp more than a couple days with a minimal amount of gear. And I'm just really not there yet. And I'm a little worried about it, frankly, because um, I've been only doing overnighters and I really need to do two or three nighters before I go on this 10 day trip, which is not going to be anytime soon. So I have more time, but yet it's still important to practice what you're trying to accomplish so that you can get there. Um, so that's really what I learned on this trip is that I just need to work harder to get my ligaments and my tendons strengthened and those little muscles in your knee and your shoulders um, so I don't feel as sore when I get home. The other thing I need to work on is um, just practice cooking meals, just practice setting up and taking down tent and stowing my gear, um, taking a look at different ways to pack a backpack, figuring out if I'm going to really only take uh, the Go Light 35 liter pack or if I'm going to need to bust it up to my old Deuter, which is, you know, much older, much larger, and much heavier. Anyway, so we got all those. The last topic I want to talk about is what am I going to do next? On the way home, I listened to an episode of Backpackers Radio from the Trek.co with Sandy Mara, the president and CEO of the Appalachian Trail Conservancy on all the hows and the whys, et cetera, et cetera, is on the decision to ask people to delay or stop their through hike or section hikes for this year. It was an interesting listen. And after doing it and listening to her explain her rationale for all their decision-making, I think I'm going to agree not to go on additional hikes on the Appalachian Trail for the time being. Plus, it looks like the bigger hike I was planning on is not going to happen anytime soon. Um, because Shenandoah National Park is closed to the public right now. And President Trump has just extended out the, uh, the various quarantine recommendations for another 30 days. So I won't be able to do this hike. I'm going to have to reorient how I'm going to structure my time and my days off. And so we'll wait and see what's going to happen and how to prepare now. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do to, to keep preparing aside from like doing some cardio and, and some muscle work, um, research some additional trails, um, maybe read some books about the trail. I don't know, but we'll get through it and we'll kind of look, look forward to it. And if we need to, we'll shut down this, this season one of, section hiking the Appalachian Trail early until we can get a date certain and know when we're going to bring things uh, back online. Anyway, I don't mean to leave things on a bit of a wistful or a doubting note, but we're not really charting. A we're not on a course that's been well charted or wasn't well charted by me. And so uh, there is a little bit of uncertainty. We'll think about it this week and get back to you. 
that's all we have. Uh, please stay tuned for our next episode next week. Please let me know uh, what you think about this episode or anything discussed on this podcast. And if you're so inclined, please give it a three, uh, sorry, three star review. You can do that too. Please give it a five star review. Until next week, so long. <laughs>